Welcome everybody back to Health is Your Wealth, a Walton County conversation. My name is Dee Dee Harris. I'm the Executive Director of Walton Wellness, Inc., a nonprofit located here in Walton County. We are dedicated to the prevention of lifestyle-related chronic illness and anything health in Walton County. I'm back with my co-host, who's sitting right across from me, <laughs> Bruce Young. You keep having me back. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Dee. It's the voice, Bruce. You have the voice. I'm the squeaky one, and you're the deep one. <laughs> uh, that's what people say, I guess. Yeah, well, hey, yin and yang, right? <laughs> that's right. And this is number three in our suicide series, and I believe we have a personal anonymous story this time. Yes, um, I wanted to just spend a minute um, to recognize that this is a very brave young woman who said that she wanted to talk to us, but for her privacy and the privacy of her family, she wanted to remain anonymous for this interview. Um, Obviously, we wanted to respect her wishes, and she's just very brave in, in coming forward to share her story. One of the things that you'll hear us say is, you know, this topic of suicide being that, unfortunately, it is a problem in our community. And we talk about the fact that, you know, bad things happen in the dark. Uh, suicide is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to talk about. I learned that definitely through doing this podcast. Sure. Um, it's very personal and intimate, especially to people who it's happened to one of their loved ones or something. Um, and even for people like myself, who fortunately doesn't have someone within my family or that's been very close to me to actually um, take their life, it's still a hard topic. You know, it's just it's just really hard to talk about. It is. And, you know, going back to the first uh, the first of this series, you know, just the statistics for Walton County were uh, I mean, I was kind of dumbfounded. Yeah, very, very alarming. And we do want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to the first series, to go back and listen to that. Um, We give a lot of the statistics so that you can kind of put things in perspective for what we're talking about here. Yeah, and I say we just go ahead and get on with number three, our uh, personal story. Great. I want to welcome you to Health is Your Wealth, a Walton County conversation. I really appreciate you being willing to come and share your story with us today. Um, I know out of respect of the story and the nature of what you're going to share with us that we're not going to use your name. So, um, but we just want to thank you for being willing to talk to us today. And I'm going to kind of let you introduce yourself in the way that you want to and lead into um, sharing with us your your very personal story. Okay. Um, I am 35 years old. Um, five years <laughs> oh, ago. Oh, a youngin. You're a youngin. <laughs> five years ago, um, I did lose my husband to suicide. Um, 
he had been facing a lot of depression issues, um, was diagnosed with uh, bipolar, anxiety, depression. Um, so going through that, um, it had caused a lot of problems. You know, when he was, it started back in childhood, um, and those problems that he dealt with then came, you know, through to adulthood. Um, and then just with everyday life, things you know, going on, the depression got worse. Um, we were able to seek help from a um, physician, and he was prescribed several different medications to treat um, all of the different ailments he had. And um, it got it got to a point, and it was over about a three or four year span where you know it it got to be where he didn't want to go to work. Um, just day-to-day life and the things were very difficult for him um as far as other people looking in didn't really understand how that can affect someone and you know a lot of people don't really believe that depression um anxiety things like that are real um right but as someone who has seen someone suffer firsthand um it's definitely very real so I want to ask you, and, and don't worry, I mean, obviously this is difficult, so that's why I want to say thank you so much for being willing, because I know you shared with me that if your story could help somebody out there listening, then that's what you want to do, Absolutely. and um, and that's awesome, because it is through people like you willing to share their story that sheds light, and we know that bad things happen in the dark, so when nobody's talking about it, that's when bad things happen. When we shed light on things, then a lot of times that's when we can do something about them. Right. When we let other people know. So so please don't worry about <laughs> <laughs> any of that. I think anybody listening completely understands. I do want to ask you, so um, did you date before you got married? And, and how long um, were you married? So I guess part of the question is, did you know? a lot of this prior to getting married? Is this something that you dealt with with him during your dating time? Um, during the dating time, I would say I did know a lot about the past. I did know, you know, how his raising um, was and his parents were not very involved. Um, so that, was, that, I think, was part of the problem, probably the biggest problem. Um, and so we dated for two years before we got married. Um he had already had children, so we, you know, built a family around that. Um, and then we do share a child together um, two years after we got married. Um, we had a daughter. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really know a lot of that then. Right. Um, it more or less got worse, I guess, probably 2000. 14, 2015 is probably when it got worse. That's not, that's not <laughs> Well, and so was he on medications? Like, had did he know he had these issues um, earlier, but they were under control, so to speak? Or, yeah, I think they were dealt with. Um, okay. I think um, we were very involved with church, so I think that that helped a lot. Um, 
and then you know sometimes you just you just have that time where you just don't feel like um you don't feel like you belong and I think mm-hmm. he he felt like that and I think that he couldn't find his place and where he felt like he needed to be um so things started slipping there okay and um the depression just set in and it set in, in a way that I never would have imagined um you know to see someone that you love wholeheartedly almost be just a body right just like a in just so empty yes and that was a progression is what you're saying basically mm-hmm. it it was a he was full of life obviously you fell in love with him you got <laughs> married you had a daughter um and then for whatever reason something wasn't clicking anymore for him Can, is that fair to say yeah and I mean I um that's a part of it. And that, like I said, I think, it, you know, it all goes back to his childhood and how he was raised. And, you know, he didn't have the most supportive parents, you know, right. abusive. Um, I guess is a term you could use for one of them. Um, but, yes, I mean, it, it was just a matter of just watching slowly as, you know, it got harder and harder for him to function daily life and to do, you know, just – minor task I mean full of life would do anything for anybody give anybody the shirt off their back one of the most wonderful men I've ever met in my life so you wouldn't think you know just just looking in at our life from the outside you would never think that there was anything wrong I mean really it was it was we had a wonderful family it's a great support group right so sometimes you know even though you do have that great support group you just have to you have to hang to that. Right. And I know sometimes for some people giving up sounds, you know, like the easiest thing, but you have to really consider who you're leaving behind. Right. Um, you're going to miss out on all the accomplishments that your loved ones, you know, the reason that you are here, you know, right. you're here for you, but you're also, you know, you were put on this earth for a reason. And, and I feel like, you know, I feel like people can be it's it's just like any other illness. It's an illness. It's right. not I don't really think that it's a horrible thing. You know, people say people say that it's a selfish and I think that some people get so far off of that beaten path and they they get so lost that they don't know where to turn or who to turn to. Um they don't maybe they don't have a support group. Right. They can't find their way back. Yeah, and I think to who they a, were or to what they were or what everyone's expecting them to right. be, maybe even. Right. So I can see that. Um, so for you, one of the things that you know you mentioned before, a lot of people don't think depression is real or anxiety. Um, people want to say, well, you know, it's going to get better. It's going to be okay. Buck up. You know, what are all Mm -hmm. the platitudes that people use to say it's not that bad? Um, True depression and anxiety, as I'm sure that you can share, goes way beyond that. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And I... um I was one of those people that was like, suck it up. You know, you're fine. It's, it's, everything's going to be okay. You know, you're going to be here tomorrow. You're going to wake up. Sun's going to be shining. You know, it's going to be a new day. It's a fresh new start, but that's not the case. And it, it has taken me 
you know, years. Um, it's been nearly five years, um, and it's taken me that long to to just to be able to talk about it, right. to be able to open up to other people and let them know that, you know, people do go through that, and there is support out there, and you can reach out to people, and people will be willing to help you. Don't give up. Right. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing is, like, keep fighting. I know sometimes it can be hard, but it is not worth it when you, if you were to be able to look back after the fact and see what it's done to, to your family. It's, right. it's a hard thing because everybody's always wondering, was it my fault? Could I have done more? Is there something more that I could have done to help? Um, you know, and, and you live with that, right? You live with that guilt of, was it my fault? Could I have done more to, to help? And you just have to, it, it's been, it's taken me, it would take me at least three and a half years to finally let that go. Can you share, or if you're willing to share with us, how did you come to be able to let that go? What has helped you? Um, a lot of self-evaluation, a lot of prayer. Um, and so fam- obviously I hear you definitely have a faith yes, for sure. Sure. And so, family support. Yeah, family support's huge. You know, support from um, the church, you know, family members, friends. Um, I have a very large support group, which is just such a blessing for um, for myself and for the children. Um, so that's been probably the biggest thing is learning to let go of that guilt and the the, the worry questions. and the wondering if if you can do more. Right. So a lot of people like to talk about signs, signs of someone being suicidal or something. Um, As much as you are comfortable with, can you talk to us a little bit about um, what happened within once your husband's depression got to the point where it was, you know, he wasn't able to live his daily life? where did it go from there to getting to actually committing suicide? Um, there were a lot of times where, like I said, this was over. It it it, it took the depression just sucked the life out of him, um, and it it was a slow. You know, there would be times where we'd be going to work every day. Everything was great. Family was great. Going to church all the time, and then something would hit and there would be two days where we were going to lay in the bed and it was physically like he was sick. Right. And, you know, and, and for the longest time I thought, she just gets sick a lot, you right. know? And it was like my throat hurts or I have a cold or, you know, my stomach. And so I think, you know, I just start, I think he started to believe that that's what it was. And I started to believe what that, what it was. But looking back, and the patterns, right? It was depression all along. Yeah, and I think people will mask stuff like that, and they will say, you know, my throat hurts. When really, they just don't want to face the day. They don't want to get I up. See. Um, so I think it just got more and more frequent, I and see. mood swings, um, stuff I had never seen, like uh, reactions, um, actions and reactions to things were just completely different than, than they once were. I mean, most of the time it was like a normal chill, but then sometimes, you know, certain things would happen and it was just turned into this person that I didn't know at all. Because you didn't recognize. Yeah. 
it was it was almost like going back to before like a shell of a person but he was not in that body that was not him that it was a completely it was almost like it was a completely different person so when the the mood swings or whatever started happening at this point are you aware of what's going on are you still thinking what is happening I mean I started realizing more you know that that at that time it was the depression it's like okay I, I get it you know and and sometimes when people are like that they look to other ways to try to comfort themselves mm-hmm. try to um you know make themselves feel better and the the medication that he was on got to the point where you could tell it wasn't really working anymore um I think was this like an antidepressant medication yeah okay. there was um something to help sleep there was um depression medicine anxiety medicine so there are like four very high power wow. prescription medications that he was on um so that alone is not really you know very healthy for right. one individual um and so, you know, we did start speaking with a psychiatrist or psychologist, one of the two. Um, and, you know, she helped along the way a little bit. But I think it, it's just to the point where there was nothing that anybody could say or do to to make that not an option. But he, it was never said you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen. So he never expressed, I'm going, he never made threats out loud or whatever. I mean, no, I I don't, I mean, I I know one time I, I, he said something, but it was just out of like rage. And this was way Mm. before anything ever happened. And you know, you hear, you hear people say, if people say they're going to commit suicide, they're not going to do it. You know, right, right. I've heard that so many yeah. times, but it's a real thing. And it, and people don't understand that it's very important. Like, you don't know what anybody's going through. Mm-hmm. You know, um, everybody has a story and it's important to, you know, be kind and be that person that can listen to others and, and pay attention to what people are saying, I guess. Um, so in the... In the times of, uh, you mentioned before we started recording that there was some PTSD from maybe some things that happened earlier in his life, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And so is that, I'm guessing, sometimes with PTSD that creates a lot of the overreacting, you know, the mood swings, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the PTSD was playing into that as well I mean it was kind of a combination PTSD depression it all kind of is the same yeah it's I mean when you look at it that way um it's all different it's it's all different disorders but they're all the same it's a sickness you know they're all they're all sicknesses so I can't really pinpoint you know what there were you know there were ups and downs but I mean just a week before he passed it was things were good everything you know Mm -hmm. it was everything was good and so it was because that's one of the things that I think um can be confusing to people or maybe misleading to people because they always want to outside people I'm saying people that haven't experienced this Mm -hmm. 
they want to think that there was some kind of signal, you know, that particular day. They want to think there was something, um, from what I'm hearing you say, and from what I've heard from other people, sometimes there's just not. Yeah, I, I, I can't answer that question, because I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. And I think that people, part of wanting to believe that is because we want to kind of separate ourselves from something that we find scary, mm -hmm. something that we're afraid of. We always, you know, it's the first thing you hear about a horrible car accident. You want to know how it happened because you want to think, oh, it was something that could never happen to you. Exactly. Um, so and that's human nature. It's mm -hmm. human nature for us to want to do that. But unfortunately, suicide across the nation is on the rise. Um, in Walton County, we have a higher rate of suicide than our surrounding counties and also higher than the state average. Um, and so one of the things that I really am wanting to get to the heart of with this is to say, number one, this is a problem here. And just as we said in the beginning, if we keep it in the dark and because we don't like talking about it or because it's uncomfortable, um, then it's going to continue to happen. Mm -hmm. The more we shine the light on it, the less are the more opportunity we have for prevention. Right. Um, so I think that that idea that people are wanting to maybe, I don't know, maybe you even had people in your life that wanted to kind of get in like, did you notice anything? Did you, did he say anything? Was there any kind of sign um, that you knew something was going to happen that day? But it sounds like that y'all were actually on a, on one of your peaks. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was, he was good. I mean, it, like I said, it was highs and lows, and, and every day was kind of different. You didn't, really didn't know what was going to happen, right. what was, you know, what kind of mood um, the day was going to hold. Um, that would have to be really difficult for you, especially being a mother, not really knowing is this going to be a good day or bad day. And it was. It was hard um, for sure. That was, that was something that was that was very hard and, and trying on myself. Um the children as well it's you know it's not something that's easy going through that with someone but you still love them through it you're there for them and you know sometimes sometimes you have to you know walk away from the situation and then come back with a you know a more clear head because you don't understand it and it's not something where you want to just say suck it up buttercup right. you're going to be fine <laughs> you want to say that but that's not something that you know, it doesn't work. <laughs> right. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So, I mean, it's important that people do seek help and there are resources out there. Um, I know there's suicide hotlines and people don't want to admit that they have that problem. Um, but it is very common. I mean, right. from people being bullied in school to just finances and trying to take care of your family. And I think that was a lot of it too, is, you have a big burden that, you know, you're the man of the house. You have to take care of, um, you know, the responsibilities right. at home and you have to, to help take care of the kids. And, you know, it, it's taxing. Right. It's taxing on people to, to know that that's something that they have to do. There's no, I can just, you know, take off and run to the beach for a couple of weeks. Right. You know, it's, 
the pressures of life sometimes can be even overwhelming than Mm -hmm. anything, one major thing happening, just the daily pressures of life. And then expectations of other people looking in on your life and, you know. Right. So that is an interesting question. You said um, people from the outside looking in, even in the, we'll call them peaks and valleys, when you were in the valleys, did people around you know that about you, or was it pretty well hidden except for when your closest intimate circle? Um, I would say a couple of my friends probably did because, you know, I had to have that outlet of, mm-hmm. you know, Talking this is what's going on. But there's certain people that, you know, as much as, like, they're just a huge support group, sometimes you just don't want to talk to certain people about it because – they're going to maybe tell you things that you don't want to hear. Right. Um, so you keep that. So a lot of things I think that went on um, due to the depression were, were held in, kept in. And that's something that, you know, journaling became a big thing. Oh, wow. Um, to, for you. For me to, to just kind of keep that. Said that I was getting it out. Right. Um, along with my prayers. Actually, I write my prayers down because it's so hard for me to try to focus on saying them so it's easier for me to just kind of write them out um and then it just kind of gets everything from the day you know all of that the dirty baggage I guess that we carry around every day the the bad things and good things and it's all on paper and you know right it's, it's all in one form but that's extremely healthy and um a great way of dealing it is it is and I find you know when I um bottle things up and, and I know we all do we all bottle things up and you know for women we have that what once a month where we just need to cry it right. out you know and it's, it's, yeah. I mean, nothing's wrong everything's that's going right. good but you just need that good cry and, and then you're okay right. and that's for me that's um what I have found journaling helps too um to kind of write it down that way maybe my once a month cry turns into <laughs> once every two months. Right. <laughs> That's good. Just to get it out. But I think it's important for everybody to, you know, make sure that you're, you know, if you're going through anything like that, talk to somebody. Right. You know, if if they can't help you, maybe they know somebody who can help you. I mean, there's pastors at churches all around here, whether it, they don't care, you know, what you look like, what you're wearing, you know, if you're on drugs, if you're not on drugs where you live if you even have a home they don't care they right. they just want to you know that's what they're there for they're right. there to help and i think it's important that people you know use that as a tool so i think that one of the things in thinking about finding the right person to talk to you or whatever is that we talked a little bit about people are always wanting to look for signs or thinking that there would be some kind of clear cut sign Um, also I think it's important to get across from what you've said too, is we don't always know what's going on Mm -hmm. in somebody's house or even in somebody's mind and thinking about even in your situation, being married to him as much as you knew him and as much as you were aware of what he was dealing with, you couldn't totally understand Right. Correct. What was going on in his mind? And you couldn't completely understand it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I think so. My point is like you were his wife and it was difficult to understand society as a whole that don't have someone in their life dealing with this. 
it's so difficult to understand that this is a very real thing. Yes. And something that it's not just, like you said, suck it up and move on or shake it off or, you know, we've all been blue. We've all been down Mm -hmm. last maybe a day or something, but we feel better the next day. That is not the kind of depression that we're talking about Mm-mm. and it, it might last a couple of days and then it's you know it's fine but I think I think it was still mask and mm-hmm. it was just more of a put on a front but I think I mean everybody you know like you said everybody has good days and bad days but when you're going through a depression it's hard to get out of those bad days right and it's it's hard to get out of that you know that rut right well I want to ask you um and you've said a lot about just advice and, and thinking about other people who might be in this situation and finding the right person to talk to or think about. Um, I did an interview with law enforcement because obviously that they're a huge component of mm-hmm. mental health in our community, but suicide as well. And the officer, um, it was um, Lieutenant Cornelia, said to me that when someone does commit suicide, they a lot of times it feels like an escape for them to yes. escape whatever it is that their pain will end. But what he said to me, and I wanted to ask you what you thought of this, was he said, that's not true because that pain is only transferred to the people around them. Um, what are your thoughts? I thought that was very, wow. That's deep. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what are your thoughts about that? I do. I, I do agree with that. Um you know, I, again, I, I don't want to get too religious, but I do feel like there's a place for everybody. Um, and that is just like any other disease, like cancer. Um, you know, it's, it's something that's curable, but possibly curable, but you have to, you know, work on it. Right. Um, seek treatment. Um, but I do feel like it is, it is transferred to the people around you and it's, it's a lifelong thing. It's, I mean, when you lose someone, you know, in a car accident, is tragic. Right. Um, when your grandfather that has been in your life forever, you you know it's coming. Right. You know, it's something that is expected. Um, and with someone who's dealing with depression, you know that they're sick, but you're hoping, you know, it's going to be fine. It's just a season, you know. Right. Because right. people do have, there's, there, there's, seasonal depression where people go through you know stages and then they're fine they come out of it they pull through they're good they're better than ever and that's what you hope for for people who are in your life that you know they're struggling and you do everything that you're physically capable of doing and you know it's sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't right but I do definitely feel like it's that pain is transferred to other people and it's and it's a forever pain. Right. So it is something that unfortunately is left here um, that kind of lingers in that sense. Also, Lieutenant Cornelius also shared with me the thought that he does feel like he, in his opinion, he felt like suicide was preventable in some cases. But it depends on when you get to that person. Um, if someone has made up their mind, that's then that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, he's been in situations where 
someone committed suicide in front of him and that person had made up their mind and nothing he could say was going to change. Um, I'm feeling like that might be where you were uh, with your husband, that it was, you know, he had medications, you went to counseling and you were supportive of him. Um, you had a good support group, but at some point for whatever reason, he had crossed over a line mm-hmm. that you felt like you couldn't reach him or, and it and was, and it, and it, yeah. And, and it, and it did get to a point where it was like you said, it's scary, you know, because you don't know. I mean, you hear about so many different suicide stories and not all of them end with just one person. Mm-hmm. And so it does, you know, times you can't tell there it's not, the person's not predictable. Um, so you do go through that, that bit of fright. And, you know, I do feel like there is a, a point where his mind was made up, but at the same time, it was more like, I still never thought that this would happen. Right. I still never thought that, especially that I'd be sitting here today discussing, you know, this. Right. I, I never, I never saw that. I saw a sick person. Um, I saw someone who was struggling but I also saw hope that it would get better. Right. I never thought it would it would come to to this that it has today. So it sounds like too one of the things that depression steals from people is hope. Mm-hmm. Those of us who are healthy adults, especially that have a faith, um, we always, like I said, we can get blue. But hope is always a part of our life. Right. Um, so just in your opinion, do you think a lot of times suicide is a larger conversation about a loss of hope and wherever that hope has been stolen from someone for whatever reason? I do. I do. Um, for sure. And with, with social media and everything else, it, it kind of makes it harder. I mean, us as women, for example, you look at, you know, Caitlin over here and her body's just excellent and she's got a great husband and look at her ring and, right. <laughs> you know, we do that and we, we compare ourselves to other people. And again, like looking in on someone else's life, you think, Oh, they have it perfect. No one has it perfect. Right. No one does, you know, husbands and wives, they fight mm-hmm. and they argue, they bicker. I mean, maybe not big fights like you and your husband had, but you know, they do. And you know, everybody's teenager is going to be a teenager. They're going to be awful and, you won't like them for a day and they may not like you for a day. Right. (laughs) And that, I mean, so yeah, I feel like you can't give up on someone who's going through this, but I feel like there is times where the people they've crossed that line. They've given up hope because they don't feel like they belong. They don't have a place. They don't, they don't feel like they were once as important to someone as they they don't feel as important as they once were. Right. And they just don't know how to go on. They don't know how to get over that hump. Well, I wanted to say thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. And, you know, I know that this was difficult. So I appreciate your willingness and your compassion for other people just to be able to share, you know, what you've experienced. Was there anything else um, just weighing on your mind, anything else that you want to say to anyone who – 
may be experiencing suicidal thoughts or someone who's in the place where you are that's trying to be a support for someone who is struggling? I would say if you look around at people, anybody, you meet, there's something to love about them. I like that. I definitely like that. Just um, what you said at the beginning, everybody has a story. You know, everybody has their own battle. Right. And a lot of times today we tend to, everybody wants to cry to be a victim of something. Mm -hmm. Well, in some cases in reality, that may be true. Everybody is probably a victim of something. Mm -hmm. So therefore your pain's not more than my pain or your, whatever your reality is, doesn't necessarily mean that it's any more or less than mine. Right. So just, I like that just treating people with kindness yeah. and compassion. So, and I want to thank you so much for being willing to treat people with kindness and compassion. And that's exactly what you're doing today. So thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. This podcast is brought to you by Walton Wellness Inc. and the Walton County Healthcare Foundation. Email us at waltonwellness at gmail.com. Find us on the web at waltonwellness.org, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you.